Hello and welcome to HW Editorial with me Sujeet Nair. Here you can listen to my views, my analysis. Follow this podcast to stay updated. At HW News, we have been delivering news that matters to you. Our goal is to present you with information that stimulates conversations around topic of larger public importance that often gets lost in prime time shows. Namaskar. Welcome to another episode of Dialogue. Like I promised you yesterday, we are going to discuss a lot of numbers today about Karnataka elections. Lot of data. And I have with me Amitabh Tiwari who has done a beautiful analysis, a fantastic data analysis about Karnataka, about Karnataka elections that's going to happen on the 10th, what happened before in Karnataka right from 1980s, he has, he has analyzed it. And let's talk to Amitabh in detail on what exactly is, okay. is, is. Thank you, thank you. Sujit. My pleasure, Amitabh. Exactly. Always having you is, a, is, is always a pleasure. Great. And this is the first time I think we are shooting yeah, in the studio. Yeah. So, good. So, yeah. so fantastic. So I'm going to go right into the questions. Um, Karnataka, they say, is going to be a hung uh, verdict, a hung assembly. Why so? See, we have to understand the dynamics why Karnataka actually has given three out of four times in the last four elections a hung verdict. What happens is that none of the parties in Karnataka have a statewide presence. Like BJP, for example. BJP is number one or number two, that is winner or runner-up on an average in 165 to 70 seats. And the house strength is 224. That means it needs 113, which is the halfway mark, out of 170 seats. That's why we've seen BJP has never touched the magical figure of 113 in, in Karnataka. Correct. Congress again, though we feel that Congress has a statewide presence, Congress also is not present in more than 190-95 odd seats. When I say not present, number one, number two. Then it also needs to win 113 out of 195. But it has a cushion compared to BJP. And JDS is present only in 75 to 90 seats. That is largely Southern Karnataka. So JDS winning the elections, even though he is claiming, claiming is a mathematical improbability. He cannot win 113 out of 75 or 90 seats. That's number one point. Number two is, if we see the caste composition, BJP largely is supported by Lingayats and Brahmins, which is called as Libra there. They are around 20% of the population combined. JDS is largely supported by Vokaligas, which is around 11%. It has no other significant larger vote block. Whereas Congress is largely supported by Ahinda. But it does not enjoy the largest support of the two most influential communities, which is Lingayat and Vokaliga. So the Congress also 
does not have a very broad social coalition because the two influential communities know that Congress probably is not going to give them the chief ministerial chair and they are backing BJP and uh, JDS respectively. And one of the third and the most interesting things is, if you see this southern India political dynamics and landscape, the national parties, which is BJP and Congress, because I consider these two as the national parties, they are not number one and number two parties in most of the states, right. except Karnataka. And Kerala. Kerala, BJP they are number one. one. I mean, they are one of them. So here, these parties are occupying both the positions, number one, number two. Tamil Nadu, Andhra, they are number three, number four, clearly. Uh, Telangana, Congress or BJP probably is number two. And Kerala, of course, Congress is number one or number two, depending upon the uh, environment there. But BJP is number three. So the regionalism of the southern India or the sub-nationalism, some of the voters want a regional party to have a say in government formation in Karnataka because that's the only state where regional party is not in dominance. These three are the reasons. Excellent. I want to take, I want to take this further. You see, India has seen an upsurge of, of regional parties. Uttar Pradesh dominated by regional parties, of course. Now it is Bharatiya Janata Party, but their main competition is not Congress, but uh, Samajwadi Party and once upon a time Bahujan Samaj Party. Same is the case with most of the states. Even in, even, in, even in Maharashtra, if you see, while Congress is, was, was the dominant party, but today, after Bharatiya Janata Party, it's Sivasena and NCP. And like you rightly said, while NCP is categorized as a national party, but at least still a regional party. So regional party is dominating all over the country. But somewhere down the line, JDS seems to be nowhere. In fact, JDS is deteriorating in, uh, in Karnataka. What is that? Why is that? See, JDS uh, was a strong player at one point of time when the original Janata Dal was there. But the, there is a split happened in Janata Dal. It split into JDS, Janata Dal Secular, which was incidentally formed by Siddharamaya and Devagoda and JDU. Ramakrishna Hegade formed his own party, if you remember, called as Lok Shakti. So the Janata Dal has been weakened due to splits. And one of the main, uh, you can say, protagonists of Janata Dal Secular, which was Siddharamaya, left the party or was thrown out of the party in 2006. If you recall, in 2004, Siddharamaya was deputy CM from JDS Kota in Congress JDS government. So one of the main pillars of JDS has left the party and has taken a bit of the Kuruba and the other OBC vote block with him. So it has weakened largely due to splits and due to the fact that it represents only a particular community interest. And whenever there are influential communities like Yadavs in the north or Vokaligas and Lingayats in the south, automatically the other castes become antagonistic to them because they dominate the power positions. While we discussed Vokaliga is 11% of the population, 42 MLAs of the assembly belong to Vokaliga community. Most of the parties have given more than 20% tickets to Vokaliga. But then uh, Amitabh, Vokaliga today uh, supports uh, JDS, don't they? Yeah. But still then... Uh, no, but it, it is only 11% of the population. Mm. So their game is Give 30, 35, 40 seats to JDS because they also know this mathematical improbability 
that JDS cannot win, but JDS can be the king and not the kingmaker. It can be king if there is a hung assembly. So this community understands this mathematical dynamics and says they don't need to win the, win the state. They just need 30, 35, 40 seats and a hung assembly situation. And one of them, because once BJP and once Congress has offered them the CM chair in the government. So, uh, and none of the other parties, which is BJP or Congress, can give a Vokkalega CM. Because this time also, Shiv Kumar is not projected as the CM candidate. So, right. they know that if they want a Vokkalega CM, then JDS is their best bet. Before I go to my next question, do you not, uh, I mean, don't you see that Kumaraswamy couldn't deliver? I mean, see, Kumaraswamy couldn't deliver because he doesn't have the charisma and the knowledge or the uh, persona of Adeva Gowda, who was earlier the Prime Minister also. He doesn't have a team also perhaps to support him. But he is just playing on this, this sentiment of the Vokaligas who want to have a big share in the power pizza of, let's say, Karnataka. And that can be delivered by JDS. Ab what happens after Devagoda retires? That's a big question mark. So we'll have to see, wait and see how the next five years pan out for JDS uh, in the absence of uh, Devagoda whenever he retires, because there are some family feuds also going on in the JDS uh, 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 party. Yeah. And that is what probably BJP is, is waiting for. It's something like a Naveen Patnaik in, in Odisha. See, uh, uh, Amitabh, you once talks a lot about Vokaliga and uh, Lingayat when it comes to Karnataka politics. In fact, that dominates most of the discussion. Tell me what, give me this, um, like, make me understand what is this uh, Vokalinga, Lingayat factor in Karnataka politics. See, Vokaliga is again a peasant or a landlord or a chieftain sort of uh, uh, community which is very resourceful and powerful economically. Lingayats have uh, been powerful because of the muts uh, which are present across the state. And if you recall in 2018, uh, Siddharamaya promised a separate re religion status also for the Lingayats. Yes. So it's a very uh, religious community tightly uh, 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 linked to each other. And the muts play a very important role in the voting pattern of uh, the, the Lingayats. Surprisingly, the Vokka Ligas have only one mutt, whereas Lingayats have a lot of mutts. And uh, after 1989, when Virendra Patil was unceremoniously removed, despite giving 178 seats to the Congress party, which is the highest tally of Congress, he was a Lingayat CM. After that, the Lingayats have turned against the Congress and Yadurappa has emerged as the leader of the Lingayats. And uh, uh, Devagoda, the leader of the Vokaligas. In between them, uh, Siddharamaya has emerged as the leader of the Ahimda, which can be classified as Kurubas plus other uh, non Lingayat, non Vokaliga OBCs, and SCSTs and Muslims. Correct. So, if that's the case, see, now um, they say uh, 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 Yedurapa is not really uh, you know, very keen with. Uh, uh, Bharatiya Janata Party is not campaigning hard, he is not with them and so on and so forth. That is what has been told in the last couple of months. Now the point is, end of the day, even today, the research says that Lingayats are still with Bharatiya Janata Party. 
Okay, more importantly, another interesting uh, report according to your own reports, you say that Bharatiya Janata Party is a combination of Lingayat and Brahmins. Now, where, how does these two connect? See, essentially, the upper caste has been historically voting for the BJP. Yes. I mean, since the days of 1980s, the BJP has been called as the Brahmin and the Banya Party, if you recall. So now the Lingayats and the upper caste combined, which is around 20%, have been voting uh, for the BJP in, in, in Karnataka. But if you compare it with the northern part of India, let's say, in the northern in part of India, BJP has been able to consolidate the non-Yadav OBC vote by creating a wedge between the Yadav and the non-Yadav OBC community. Here, the non-Lingayat, non-Vokaliga OBC, which is around 29%, including Kurubas, still backs the Congress. And since they are the highest number in terms of population, BJP is not able to cross 36-37% in terms of vote share. So the way they have cracked the OBC vote in the northern part of India, they have not been able to crack this, this OBC vote in Karnataka and that is why they have not been able to cross the halfway mark ever in Karnataka on the road. So uh, then are you saying that OBC vote is divided in Karnataka? See, there is already a division because the two largest blocks are divided. One is voting for the BJP, the Lingayat, because Lingayat is a OBC there. Vokaligas right. uh, uh, are voting for JDS. And the third largest is Kurubas, which has 7%, which is Siddharamaya's uh, caste. They are voting for the Congress. Then there are this small uh, sub-castes, around 200 odd, which actually, as you uh, importantly pointed out, play the role of kingmaker because a lot of focus is on Lingayat, Vokaliga, Muslims, but all the caste blocks are already aligned to some or the other party. Lingayat to BJP, Vokaliga to JDS, Kuruba and Muslims and SCs and STs largely to Congress. The other OBCs, which are around 22%, they swing their voting pattern depending upon the environment and the elections. And they are actually the kingmakers of this election because whoever they back will actually end up winning Karnataka. Karnataka. You spoke about Muslims. Tell me um, two questions. Uh, why are Muslims with uh, Congress still in Karnataka where in other places Muslims has moved on from Congress, number one. Number two is why couldn't uh, OAC make a dent? No, see, because Muslims largely feel that Congress is the only party which can protect their interests in Karnataka. While amongst the Muslim community, as you rightly mentioned, there are now divisions. One faction wants to have friendly relationship with the majority uh, community or the majority party. Uh, there is one faction which is fairly anti. And there is one faction today which is emerging across India which would vote for the party whoever puts the Muslim candidate. And that is why people like Owasi are appealing to this segment of voters because Owasi is largely saying that as a Muslim, you are voting for a Hindu of a Congress or a SP or a JDS or a BJD, whatever. And because of this, the Muslim representation in the Lok Sabha 
as well as across assemblies in India is at an all time low. So this section of people largely votes for the Muslim candidate, whichever party you would say. OIC has not been able to make a dent because the block which is anti-BJP, let's say, or does not want BJP to win amongst the Muslims is still the largest block in India. And they feel that Congress is the party which is in position to defeat the BJP and not, and not OSC. And by voting for OSC, there is likely to be a split of votes, which will ultimately be beneficial for the BJP. JDS also puts up a lot of minority candidates. In fact, it has put a higher number of Muslim candidates than Congress. And they also get around 20% of the vote share. So that also makes it difficult for OIC to make a dent. Because there are two parties catering to the Muslim community already. Correct. So because this time around, if you see NDTV survey, they still say that uh, Muslim community, 53% of Muslim community are still voting for the Congress. So that was why this question. Amitabh, I want to get into, uh, which you've also covered in your research, but I want to get into uh, 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 a topic which has been debated a lot in our country, presence versus popularity. A lot of sophologists, a lot of experts say that presence is more important than popularity or rather presence gives you popularity. A lot of sophologists say, nay, 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 popularity can win you elections. Presence helps. They are not basically, uh, you know, connected. You, you know, they can be seen in isolation. Now, Karnataka is a very good example. Like you rightly said a while ago, the Congress presence in Karnataka is far higher than Bharatiya Janata Party presence. Bharatiya Janata Party has never crossed the half, half mark. They have never won an absolute majority. But that being said, Bharatiya Janata Party has come out as uh, the single largest party in, in uh, Karnataka, including last time. So what exactly is, is more important? Presence is more important or popularity is more important? See, I mean, both are important in, in uh, today's politics. But are they connected? And, and electoral sphere. They are connected in a sense also. Because if a leader is popular, he could draw crowds in rallies. But ultimately, on the D-Day, which is the voting day, you need the organizational presence to convert his popularity into votes. Because somebody has to go and knock on the door of the voter whether and check whether he or she has voted and if he or she is not in a position economically to go to the uh, uh, booth then provide the means which is some sort of transportation etc to the voter to to take them to the polling booth and get the votes if you are talking about popularity see in state elections local candidates play a lot of role play a lot of role still people are voting on the basis of a local candidate and the prime ministerial phase somehow does not play an, a bigger role or a very important role in state elections. So even if Narendra Modi is very popular, he may not be able to turn the scales in favor of the BJP because BJP is in power in the state. So a voter will first ask the question, what is the performance track record of this government? See, Modi factor in state elections works when BJP is in opposition. 
not when necessarily when bjp is in power when bjp is in power if you even if you see up example it is not because of modi which the bjp has won modi factor in fact only 8% people voted uh, for modi in up elections whereas in lok sabha this number is close to 33% correct so what what you are essentially saying is therefore uh, that uh, both are equally important or both could be important uh, according to the situation or or uh... both are equally important both are equally important but the higher the election when i say higher let's say general elections and the the higher the election or the the highest tier let's say as we go from the panchayat to the lok sabha mm-hmm. the popularity of the leader playing a role in the Perfect. elections keeps on increasing mm-hmm. whereas as you go down the tier from lok sabha to the panchayat level it is the local factors and the image of the local candidate and not necessarily the popularity of the leadership which matters a lot for the voters we have been speaking about voters amitabh amitabh who exactly is a bharatiya janata party voter in karnataka see around 40% of the voter of bjp in karnataka belong to the lingayat and the brahmin community their population is 20% but 40% of the voters 4 out of 10 belong to the lingayat so they come out the brahmin community so they come out in larger numbers as you said 60% plus of both the upper caste which is brahmins including brahmins and the lingayats vote for bjp so 40% is lingayat plus brahmins and another 20-23% is this uh, non lingayat non uh, okaliga obc community also which votes for the bjp there and uh, congress congress 40% of voters are muslims and scs and their population is around 30% so again a higher turnout of the muslim and the sc community in favor of congress jds jds 40% again is vokaliga and the dalits there's a very interesting thing we have to understand is that when we talk about influential communities what is influence influential communities pull the votes of other caste also along with them so if there is a landlord a vokaliga landlord there are hundreds and thousands of workers working in his fields they might belong to sc st obc lower socio economic class they are able to influence the voting decisions of these people also around 66 seats if i am not wrong uh have a good dalit influence of that 15 is won by jds so which means wherever vokaligas are in larger numbers they are able to draw the sc community vote also with them and that is what helps them to win uh some of these seats or gives them an so 40% of the voters are vokaligas and dalits so primarily what you are trying to say is um, uh uh are i mean it's it it's actually looking as if the caste engineering is actually working towards making a government does that actually work that way amitabh no i see i mean okay let me reframe my question i'm so sorry i'm so sorry to interject let me reframe my question does the caste 
make a leader or does the leader use a caste? Let me put it that way. See, again, it is like the earlier question you asked about the presence and the popularity. So I would say caste, which are influential, produce leaders who then are able to attract or build a coalition around their caste. So Narendra Modi belongs to the OBC community. OBC community has the highest population in India. It is debated, some say up more than uh, 50%, but let's say even if you go by the conservative numbers, 41-42%. So, and then he has been able to draw under the larger Hindutva umbrella, let's say, and due to his image also, a business-friendly image, investment-friendly image, nationalism, etc., members of the other caste groups, which is SC, ST, Brahmin. So today, BJP is not only a Brahmin and a Banya party. Today, it is getting votes or in the highest number of votes across caste groups, OBCs, SCs, STs also. So caste, bigger groups produce leaders who then from their own charisma and and leadership uh, uh, skills are able to draw or build a coalition around those uh, larger blocks and then produce results which are much larger than their own caste groups. So Amitabh, there is one thing that you've concluded. What you are trying to tell me is the only group of people who votes on real issues are the poor, the unemployed. Correct? Because they are the only people who will vote on real issues because if there is poverty, if there is recession, if there is uh, uh, petrol price or gas price, they are the only people who vote. Okay, The rest are voting because of a certain cause, because of a certain alignment, because of a certain understanding. So who is uh, the poor and uh, the unemployed voting this time? So, So you have hit the nail, I would say. We pay a lot of importance to issues in all election debates. But as you correctly concluded, everybody is not voting on issues. Only a certain section of people are voting on issues. Others are voting on caste, development, I like this leader, leadership, uh, party symbol, etc. So in this discussion, we sort of concluded or why we, we have pointed to the reasons as to why issues, though debated a lot, are not the only voting consideration. Now, the poor, the unemployed, etc., they are more interested in elections and they vote out in also larger numbers because we have seen the Bengaluru uh, turnouts compared to the uh, state average. It's almost less than 15%. Because their lives are dependent upon whichever party or other their lives are dependent upon the state they this is the lavarti factor let's say correct so they their interest is more in elections they go out and vote in larger numbers however here again there will be a distinction between a state election and a national election because they are also very smart voters they know that a pm avas yojana or a ujjwala gas yojana or a ayushman cannot be stopped if BJP loses in Karnataka because that is a nationwide scheme. Correct. Correct. Now, they will look at the performance of the schemes of the Bombay government. 
or the Bombay plus Yadurappa government and whether they have been able to deliver those schemes or not. If their claim to fame is only the schemes of the Prime Minister Modi, then they, they could struggle to win because they would be then saying or having a debate, most of the schemes which you are talking about or hailing as your achievement is an achievement of the Prime Minister, not the Chief Minister. Right. And then they will compare the manifesto or the promises, let's say, which both the parties are making. An incumbent cannot make a lot of promises. An opposition party can make because it can make a promise and go. It's like a hit and run. Correct. But an incumbent has to deliver, has to show some track record of delivery. If you remember, the PM Kisan scheme was brought just before the 2019 elections. It was not a manifesto promise. And one installment was actually paid before the uh, first phase of voting. Correct. So that's the difference between an incumbent and an opposition promise and the way the people uh, uh, analyze or judge those promises. My last question and obviously my last question is a cliche and, and, <laughs> and a predictable one. Who do you think will win in uh, Karnataka? See, history, uh, Bombay is battling against history and history does not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Correct. So no CM has ever got elected back since the Ramakrishna Hegne in 1985. So he is battling against history. There is uh, an exodus of leaders. Uh, uh, there have been corruption allegations. There is high anti-incumbency. And the party sort of is largely dependent upon the Modi factor now in the last few days to pull it through. So here the Congress definitely has an edge. However, given the dynamics which we discussed, a hung assembly cannot be ruled out because that is how the, 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 the uh, landscape is, is uh, divided of, of Karnataka. And interestingly or mischievously, party which is the SLP may not necessarily be able to form the government. That has happened in Karnataka in 2004. BJP was the single largest party. Congress and JDS formed the government. In 2018, Again, BJP was the single largest party and Congress and JDS formed the government. So your prediction, therefore, is we will see a hung assembly. Is that we what you could see a hung assembly because the dynamics of the state is such that it does not uh, uh, favor a single party rule. It wants the regional player also to have a say in the power. There are 131 seats where the BJP and Congress are in direct contrast. And for the Congress to win, it has to win a large section of this head-to-head -head contest. Excellent. Amitabh, what a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. If you like this episode, please rate us with five stars right now. HW News Podcasts are available on BingePods and all other audio platforms. Also, don't miss to check out our news reports from the House of HW News podcast. We are sure you will love it too.